thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Hi there, this is Chuck Quinley, and I'm back with Thread Episode 44. And um, we've been having floods here in northern Thailand. This climate change stuff is going crazy. We've had a lot of rain for months, and then it just... There's so much that it's actually over flooding the dams at this point, and that is creating a lot of problems down here in the foothills where I live. Uh, Our kids' school had about six inches of water everywhere through it, and our base flooded where we have media light, and it's got about about three and a half feet of water in the downstairs. So that water's gone down. Today we've got it pumped out, and everybody's out there cleaning it up. Trying to get it ready for the next students to come in. But such is life. You just have to soldier on and deal with the stuff that comes at you. Well, I think today's thread is actually going to flow a little bit easier. And I'll tell you why. Because it's the afternoon. I typically do the threads in the morning while it's a little bit quiet around here. But today my schedule didn't allow that. And so I'm doing it in the afternoon. And I am most definitely an afternoon person, not a morning person. Although I do have to get up every morning, I don't necessarily enjoy it. So I'd love to be one of those people that wakes up like a songbird, but that's not me yet. Well, I don't think it'll ever be me because it hasn't been me ever. But I'm good in the afternoon and it just keeps growing. And boy, if everybody in the world would stay up till about two in the morning, I could really do great work then because that's the way my body clock works. Uh, Go get your Bible. We're in Mark chapter 12, Jesus versus the Bible thumpers. All right, we're back with thread 44. This one, to set things again in their, in its setting, Jesus has brought the battle to Jerusalem. He is confronting the religious establishment every day in the temple courts. On day one, he uh, went in and examined what they were doing, running businesses in the temple again after he cleansed the temple uh, three and a half years ago, three years ago. Now he's back again to do the same thing a second time. And so uh, he wrecks her business, and then every day he sits up in the temple and he begins to do teaching about the things that are going on all around him. And If you remember last week, he had um, a delegation come from one of the power groups, and they were trying to trap him with words they could use in legal action against him. They did not succeed. And then he was uh, questioned by a very sincere, God-loving scribe, um, one of the keepers of the scriptures who memorize it and pass it on to the next generation. And he had a really great encounter with that guy because they were both men who loved the Word of God and who allowed the Word of God to judge their own lives and their ministry. And it was like he met a, a kindred spirit in in the love of God's word, so that was that one was actually a a nice uh, encounter. Now, however, Jesus sits up in uh, verse thirty five, and he's he's in the temple, he's in public, and he begins now to 
address the the scribes, the keepers of the scripture. So we could call today's lesson Jesus versus the Bible thumpers. I don't know if you've ever met a Bible thumper. There are people that love God's word and live by God's word, and they're, you know, every single day of their life, they're in the scriptures and they're trying to live it out. And they they carry the scriptures with them. And that's not who I'm talking about. Okay. That's just that's a good model. Uh, I'm talking about somebody who uses the scripture as a weapon. Uh, they they have their argument. Uh, texts and things that they use from the scripture just to prove their point, and they use the Bible more as an instrument. Uh, they're overly concerned with the morality of other people. They're a very vocal minority, religious conservative, uh, and it's it's really a weird twist because you know what could be more vital than scripture? And uh, if anything, you know, Jesus was a religious conservative. He knew his Bible. He lived it. He made sure that his doctrine was in line with the scriptures. Um, you know, so he is, in a sense, now he's he's speaking to his own group within Judaism, the people that actually pay attention to the Bible, but they're off base, and so now he wants to speak. To them, because what could be more vital in our lives than the scriptures, and what could be more essential in the life of a teacher of God's ways than to know the Word of God? But now here, here is a group of men, and they hold the scriptures as though they have a monopoly on scripture. They have a monopoly on God's truth, and you know this is something that's being tested in all fields these days. And that's the uh, the emergence, the explosive emergence of the pro am group. Uh, you know, for example, if you're talking about in the arts, uh, you know, before it was professional singers, uh, opera, I guess, is like the highest form of singing, and you go through conservatories and you get passed up through the system if you you know if you do it right. And you may find yourself in a public place singing now, you know, to thousands of people and try to make a name. Well, then along comes um, whatever it's called, Britain's Got Talent or American Idol, and you've got just ordinary people, taxi drivers, and they're stepping up on stage with no formal training. And I mean, they are nailing it. And the songs are great. They've got huge following. And all of a sudden, wow, you know, these guys have... They're, they do it out of love. In that sense, they're amateurs, but they're really good at it. And so they're starting to challenge this whole division between the professionals who have to be respected and the amateurs. Um, and, you know, I think that's true even in Scripture, because I went to seminary and I've spent a lot of years uh, in formal education of the Scriptures. And I recognize, though, after just a bit, that men like my father and others who uh, taught Sunday school every week for 25 and 35 years and who seriously uh, applied themselves to that Sunday school quarterly that they were given and who bought Thompson chain reference Bibles that had lots of other ways you, you could compare scriptures and see you know, the other places in God's Word that had 
had references to the same thing, and you had the Vines dictionaries, and you had, you know, they had Bible tools, and they spent uh, their evenings thinking about Sunday's lesson, and they prepared diligently. And I can't say that those men don't have as strong a grasp on God's truth and God's word as my seminary professors did. Uh, And that's kind of the situation here in Israel. You know, all good Jewish men studied the scriptures. They built their families on it. They used it in business. They, They let it control their thinking and their attitude. And then you had the professional teach the Bible group. And in one sense, we definitely need this group. You know, they should be able to bring our understanding of God to a higher place. On the other hand, humans being the way they are, uh, we tend to want to create a power uh, block and some kind of um, protective system around us whenever we're placed in any of these sacred roles, whether it's being a priest and you're going to offer sacrifices to God or, uh, you know, in this case, a scribe, someone who really, really, really is supposed to know their Bible. And uh, they're the keepers of the Bible. They're the custodians and the ones who make sure that there is a Bible for the next generation and that it doesn't pass, doesn't pass away with their generation. So, you know, here comes Jesus along. He didn't go to their schools. He's not certified. And yet he, he understands Scripture. And as the last scribe found, you know, he is like dead in the center of a proper understanding of God's Word. So now he sits down in the temple area, and he begins to expose the limited theology that the scribes have, and they've created a system around Messiah and the concept of Messiah, and this is actually the reason that he could never use the title for himself, because they had explained Messiah to the people so thoroughly that everybody understood it in their way. The only problem was they didn't really get it right. And so everyone in the nation has a a flawed nationalistic view of Messiah, uh, that he is a physical descendant of David, sort of like the the kid, David's kid, you know, that's going to be raised up, and he's going to overthrow the Romans, and we're going to have our our political power back, and we're going to get all the Gentiles out of uh, the Holy Land. And we're going to be a great, powerful nation again. That's what Messiah does, uh, and some other things too. But you know that was one of their beliefs. So Jesus couldn't apply it because he's so much more than that. So he sits down today, and he says, "Okay, let's talk about your little God in the box theories that you've got." He says, "Why is it that the scribes say Christ is the son of David, or we could just say just the son of David?" Because David himself said, by the Holy Spirit, so this lets me know they already had a doctrine about the Holy Spirit. David said, writing under God's anointing, the Lord said to my Lord, sit down at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, verse 37, therefore, if David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? Oh, the common people heard him gladly. They loved it. He's fresh. He's exposing things things they've not been told before. He's controversial. He's a storyteller. He has integrity. He seems to have no self-interest in his teaching, and he comes every single day, and he begins to teach. Well, these crowds are growing and growing and growing. The scribes, of course, are coming also to hear what's being said, 
and to judge it. And so they're in their little scribe circle with their special scribe clothes, and um, he turns. And instead of just talking about concepts, he turns to them as a group, and he says to the people, beware of the scribes. In a, you know, like, beware of dog. The signs that you see that says, you know, if you come into this zone, this dog may bite you. You may be hurt by this dog. And Jesus says, beware of scribes. Beware of the scribes. I'm sure that was a big shock. If you can just imagine this scene, you know, you're in the holy place, you're in God's temple, and he's in the uh, temple grounds around. He's not inside the house. He'll be outside in the temple courts. Uh, And if you've been... Uh, in in ancient temples, you'll see they've got large plaza areas around it and steps, and there's some trees, and so you can sit in the shade. So he's teaching. He says, "Beware of the scribes." And says, Why? And then he starts to lay down the ugliness of using God's word to build yourself a place of privilege, and the ugliness of the sense of entitlement that has come into it, and the well, let's just let's just go into it because when power and money and uh, defending a turf and trying to make yourself a place of of status, when all that invades religion, it poisons it. You know, when 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 it becomes a profession to serve God and a profession to teach God's word and a profession to interpret scriptures and a profession, you know when. These things, it's not that we shouldn't do it and it can't be done rightly. It's just we need to understand it's full of danger because you're mixing systems. Money's fallen, power's fallen. Uh, These things cannot be easily brought into kingdom matters and, and holy things without perverting those things. And he says, okay, let's go down the list. Number one. You desire, you crave, the longing in your heart is for public attention. You wear long robes, longer than usual, more dignified, more status. You love, you have an emotional feeling. You love your greetings in the marketplace. You are prestige-driven, and uh, these things really matter to you. They motivate your service to God. You love your special greetings. Oh, doctor, doctor. Yeah, um, you know, I haven't earned doctorate, but uh, I have a friend of mine that pre. Uh, one of the habits among preachers is uh, honorary doctorates. And uh, actually, when I was a college president, that was one of the pressures that I had to deal with occasionally from the denomination was that they would want me to give a doctorate to somebody that had no connection to our school, and I would have to fight back against that. Um, But, you know, everybody's doctor this and doctor that and reverend doctor this and bishop and apostle, and now we got prophet. We're going to stick that on our business card. And, uh, you know, we've got reasons beyond ministry for doing that. We have our personal needs as men for security and status and all that. And so, you know, it all invades your ministry and it messes it up. But anyway, my friend stood up. He got to address our whole denomination. Uh, at a big international gathering, and he stood up on stage, <laughs> and they had just said, you know, Dr. So-and-so is coming, now Dr. So-and-so, now Dr. So-and-so will lead us in prayer. 
And when he stepped up to preach, <laughs> he's a Jamaican preacher, and he started, he said, we have never had so many doctors in the house, and we've never been so sick. And you could have heard a pin drop. <laughs> it's like a prophet has stepped into the pulpit, thank God. Um, same thing. It can, it can poison anything good. Uh, you know, anytime you, you live long enough to become an elder, uh, it feels good to be respected, and you've earned it. Um, but it can mess up even the most precious of things. So Jesus goes down his list. He goes, okay, you guys desire public attention. You want to look sophisticated. You're prestige-driven. You love a special greeting as they shout out all your honorific titles. Verse 39, you love the best seats in the synagogues. They will give you a place of comfort because you are entitled to it. You know, those are the, those, you know, it's, and it's funny. You see it all over the world too. You have these, the special chairs for the clergy. And I've had them on the stage before with the big, like throne, like, um, with, uh, cushions and velvet, all that, you know, there's a respect for the minister and for your shepherd. That's absolutely appropriate. And I don't like kids calling me by my first name, you know, for my, my colleagues that I think there's a need for, uh, uncle Chuck and Mr. Quinley. And if I'm in an academic setting, it should be Dr. Quinley. Cause I worked hard for that. And that's part of that, that world. But in the church, we have to watch that we don't drag, uh, things from the world into the church. And he says, okay, they make special seating areas for you. You get your specially made seat at the feast. You get the best places. You love this. You crave this. Uh, and then here's where it gets really twisted. Verse 40. You devour widows' houses. What's he mean? They visit widows a lot. Uh, they take advantage of the defenseless. They end up getting offering after offering from these widows. And because, you know, widows, they're old. They love God. They're facing death. They want to do good things. They're easy to manipulate by uh, religious uh, leaders, and you know, widows have always been a special target for those who are unscrupulous. And Jesus says, that's what you do. You go after women who have no defense, and you go there to get their money. And for a pretense or part of the show, your prayers are super long. You pray these long prayers, um, for pretense, it's all part of a big act that you put on. Uh, religion and money will always end up finding each other somehow. Uh, even now we're learning, uh, in, in the case of the custodians of Scripture, and you know, what could be more, more precious than that? Jesus says, okay, those of you who do this, let me go ahead and warn you, you will receive greater condemnation. And both of those words are pretty important. The word greater is the word abundant, as in the abundant life. Uh, super, excessively, overflowing, more than enough, profuse, extraordinary. It's the John 10, 10. Uh, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Uh, and he says, you're going to receive overflowing, abundant, what? Condemnation. Uh, condemnation comes from the word crime. Or criminal. It is the verdict of the court. It is the judgment on your behavior. And this time, it's God's court. 
and it's God's court that is passing the sentence down. Money and power pervert true religion as they do with all other sacred things. So today's lesson is a reminder to all of us, especially those of us who handle God's word, and those of us who visit the sick in hospitals, those of us who especially have have felt that this is our calling and our vocation, and that the body of Christ has seen fit to put money together to liberate us from other roles so that we can give ourselves completely to ministry. And I'm somebody in that situation. You know, I'm a, I'm a missionary supported by other people. I am happy to have another job. It's just not good for the ministry that every minister is bivocational. In my case, uh, we are completely and totally devoted to the things that we're doing. We're hardworking, and we put our heart into it every day. But I recognize that I, I need to be careful because it's money in trust to me, and God's work is holy. It's sacred. And so I don't ever want to let anything... Uh, cause me to feel a sense of entitlement uh, because I am in the ministry. It's servanthood. It's service to the Lord and service to the people. So if you're going to be in the ministry, you need to be in it with reverence toward God and with humility toward the people. And those entrusted with spiritual authority and leadership roles like the scribes, uh, we really have to be careful that we posture ourselves always to be the servants of the Lord and the servants of his people. And sometimes that means uh, taking away a perk that could have been yours, uh, and you would have enjoyed it, and it would have, it would have felt nice to you, but it just, it just wouldn't be right. Uh, it could hurt people. It could damage uh, the way they feel about ministers and ministry. And so we need to you know, be careful guardians of our own lifestyle. And also to the rest of us in the body of Christ, we need to honor our leaders and uh, work with them, do our very best to cooperate and put our, our back to the labor with them. But we need to be careful that we don't allow systems to develop whereby you have uh, you know, church systems where the, the pastor's brother is in charge of the money and his wife is the, the officer and, you know, the whole corporation starts to come under. There's just all these weird anomalies that happen in churches, and it's always been that way with religion. It's not just Christian churches. This, this goes on everywhere in the name of religion. So Jesus is calling the attention of everybody who's in the ministry today to serve as unto the Lord and to love the people with all of your heart. And I'm going to take this to heart today myself, and I hope you do too. If you want to talk to me directly, just email me, chuck at quinley.com. My personal website is the quinley.com website, and you can always check us out also at emergenetwork.org. Thanks again. I'll see you next time on Thread. Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to emergenetwork.org.